Welcome to Jubilee Church's men's inheritance meeting this morning. Welcome to everybody online. We just want to uh, worship the Lord this morning and, and honor him. The, the Lord was speaking to me about his worthiness. And, and so I picked a couple of songs that, that uh, talk about his worthiness. We're going to start with Revelation uh, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, where all of heaven is singing, blessing and honor, glory and power. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And so, Lord, this morning we say that to you, Lord God. You alone are worthy. We thank you for your presence, Lord God. We thank you that as we worship, Lord God, you come and inhabit our worship. You come and inhabit our praises, Lord God. So we just thank you, Lord God, for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord God, that regardless of what's happening in the world, regardless of what's happening in our lives, Lord God, that you are always worthy to be praised. You are always worthy to be worshipped, Lord God. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Blessing and honor.
scripture to yourself. Blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Hallelujah. Lord, we join with the angelic host right now.
just a moment. Let's do what Wes said. You don't know how powerful it is when you open your mouth and begin to declare his name. Don't let someone else set your praise. Let's just say his name. Let's say glory him. Maybe we can sing that chorus one more time, but with loud voices. We're men. We're not called to be mice. We're called to be men. To praise his name with dignity and glory and honor no matter where we are. He is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We praise you. You are worthy of our praise, worthy of our adoration, worthy of our time, worthy of us getting up early Saturday morning. You're worthy of us watching after you. You're worthy of us reading your word. You're worthy of us sacrificing our lives. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb to receive praise and honor and power and strength and might and dominion. You are worthy for you have given us your life through the sacrifice of your life. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. You are worthy. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We acknowledge you, your king. Praise Jesus. Take a moment and just go 
greet one of your brothers and tell them how much God is going to do a work. Hello, everybody online. You are uh, a people of faith. God's going to do a great work in you, men and women, whoever catches this broadcast or is watching us right now. Jesus is Lord, and his lordship will be revealed in your life. His promises will be fulfilled in your life and his nature will become your nature, and you are escaping the corruption that's in this world that's trying to wreak, wreak havoc through, through its lust, but you're a people of God called out of that. Praise God. Blessings. Wes, thank you guys. That was just fabulous. I just, you know why we have worship leaders? Because God, we always need someone to keep nudging us back toward heaven and not, not letting the circumstances of life pull us down, weigh us down, suck, us, suck the life out of us. And I just appreciate that really a lot, Wes. Uh, you can be seated. We're going to do this today in a short... We're going to be done at 9.30. I believe we can do these gatherings because we've got some momentum, we've got some traction, and we don't... And uh, so I'm going to be done at 9.30, but we'll keep, keep moving. Uh, men of Inheritance, those of you that are joining us, basically we have a peep, a men who have committed ourselves to pray an hour a day, five days a week. So it's not like a legalistic thing. And of course, some days it'll be four week, four days in a week. Some days it'll be seven days in a week. If you've noticed one thing, the more you pray, the more you pray. Have you noticed that? The more you pray, the more you pray. That's the principle of Jesus, John, in Mark, Mark chapter 4. To him who has, more will be given. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So it's, it's a principle of life in everything. The more you exercise, the more you exercise. The more you read, the more you read. The more you watch TV, the more you watch TV. It's just whatever you give yourself to, the, it will increase. So when we give ourselves to prayer, we build in us a spirit muscle. One hour a day. And what we do with that hour is really simple. We come with our heart believing. We don't try to believe from the circumstances or even what we're trying to attain. We're just accepting the words of God are true. We receive them. We embrace them. And by believing, we then speak them. So we, a prayer is always involving the heart and the mouth, just as salvation is, prayer is. When, G, when the disciples said, Jesus teaches to pray like John taught his disciples, he said, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. So words are important. You'll notice that when you're depressed, you, you shrink into your, your little cave. And when you are exuberant about something exciting, you get loud and large. So one of the things in prayer is that we've got to keep our mouth involved so that our minds don't drift because your mind will always listen to what your mouth is saying. So then you take scripture, blessing, and you let the word of God become your psaltery, your, your psalm. So one hour, a believing heart, confessing mouth, coupled with the Holy Spirit who is present every time I go to pray. Even if I don't, I'm not aware of him or feel him, he's there to help me pray. And, he's, and with him... He uses the truth because without the truth, he really has nothing to say because he is the spirit of truth. And the words that Jesus spoke are spirit and life. So 
the Bible is so, so important. So this is, we just started this. We're, going, we're, we're headed to the second time this year to read through the New Testament, two chapters a day. It's out in the back, grab it. We started on Thursday, and we're just starting this time by going Matthew, going from um, Matthew and Romans, and we're just going to, that's the first gospel and the first epistle, and we're just going to work our way and by the time we finish the year, December 31st, we'll have read the entire New Testament another time. And again, when you read it out loud or listen to it, you, it's where faith comes alive and it's powerful. And like I drove here from Ventura, so I got to listen to a couple of chapters in Matthew 3 and 4. And I got to go through Romans uh, 3 and 4. And just because I'm listening, it's it's in, I'm engaged, and it's, it's impacting. So prayer involves time, heart that believes, a mouth that speaks, the Holy Spirit's help, and the word of truth, which is the, the Bible. So it's, it's, the, it's the substance of who we are becoming. But it's not always easy, right? You have to push yourself, get yourself up, find your place. And Ken was with us during the, uh, day, the, the end times class we did uh, and he we, we had lunch together and he shared with me a testimony about holding his place and his commitment I'd love for you to come on up again and share because it was really encouraging yeah yeah come on up did you it should be on it's green not on yet oh now, now it'll come. Well, you'll get the button pushed. Go ahead. You should do it now. Are we okay? Okay. Yep. So what I was sharing with the pastor is that every time I get up every morning, within my soul, it's a struggle. The, the one-hour commitment to seeking the Lord. to Because there's so many distractions. There's I have the, the remote with my TV, you know, I have an iPad that I can get the news from. and um, But there's two things that I always have to tell myself. One is the, the word that always comes to mind is first fruits. You know, offering your first actions in the morning towards the Lord. Offering yourself, offering your time, offering things. Uh, and the other scripture that always comes to mind for me is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Um, my soul is constantly looking how to advance, how to take care of myself, all these different things like that. And then, so I have to force myself to, you know, of course, I make coffee first thing in the morning. That's the first start of my yeah. day. You know. <laughs> That's okay. God, the Lord yeah. allows me to at least do that first. Because yeah. you know, yeah. it's Absolutely. part of this whole, Absolutely. I won't say ritual, but it's, it's, a, it's a morning start. Yeah. You know. And then um, it's a struggle at first. The first 10 minutes, 20 minutes, it's, you know, sometimes it's empty. Sometimes it just feels like it's, I'm going through the motions type thing. But suddenly, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit comes along and starts to pull scriptures together as I'm reading the word. It, it, things come to remembrance. I have a study Bible. It gives me references. It, I almost feel like Holy Spirit saying, look down in the footnotes. Look over here. It'll take you over to this place. Take, you know. And my whole morning experience of that one hour yeah. um, comes together. And what's funny is, it's not funny, but I come here Sunday morning, and it, and it all confirmation of 
what the Lord has done yeah. uh, through me all week because he's doing the same, thing, same yeah. thing through each one of us, pulling it yeah. all together. You know, so I always remember that two things, um, first fruits yeah. and seek ye first. So first is the first thing, is then, um, and, and there's a reward in that because God reveals himself in that. It, it, the same spirit that's going through all of us is going through me, and that's, that's really encouraging. So. Yeah. Cool, cool. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, thank you. Isn't that encouraging? It's just, uh, I've watchman, uh, excuse me, uh, Pastor uh, Cho from uh, Korea used to say that something supernatural happens when you hit that hour. It's something supernatural. And you, thank you, Ken. It's just so perfect. Listen, I want to share a couple of things, and we have room for some testimonies at the end. But let me get my notes because I woke up and I heard the Lord say, I knew where we were going with this day, but I heard the Lord say, kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God. We want to talk about watching in prayer over the things that we love and are concerned over and have been stewardship in. And I believe we're stepping into a, another level of power by coming into agreement in another way with God in his word and one with another. But in, this is in 1 Peter is where this phrase is, kept by the power of God, chapter 1. And I'll, we'll just begin chapter 1, verse 1, because it's, it may be the, the word of the Lord for every man here. I tell you, you're going to be blessed today because I got super blessed. Many times I start with praying. This was straight into the scripture because God was speaking Learned if he starts talking, I should shut up and follow what he's saying. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion on, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Pythnia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one causing us to walk into sanctification with the belief of the truth, to obedience, to the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. The reason reading the Bible is much about prayer, as worship is about prayer, is because without truth, we're pretty much going to speak lies. And lies are not because we're trying to deceive God, but because the devil's deceiving us. And we're saying we're defeated when God says you're an overcomer. We're saying, I don't think you're being faithful when God says I'm nothing but faithful. So the truth is where we come alive. So he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we are begotten into a living hope. Hope is always alive in Jesus Christ. It does not matter what you just went through that just delayed your future and shut your, your possibilities down. Hope is always alive. He's always alive. It's a living hope to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So we are men of inheritance because God has given us in Christ an inheritance. Ephesians 1 says we have been given an inheritance. But this inheritance is, for, uh, please don't move until I go to the next verse, Chris. So, 
An inheritance is incorruptible. It means it, it, cannot, it, cannot, it cannot dissipate. It, it's, once given, it is forever. And it was given before we were born. It was given before we were conceived. It was given before we, time began, before the world began. And it's in, in Ephesians 1, it says, we have been given in Christ an inheritance according to the purpose of him, God our Father, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We don't even, you know, it's like an inheritance in the earth. You get inheritances by, comes from who your father or your mother are, what, what they choose to give you. It's not your choice. So this is so powerful because it's incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, and it's reserved and kept in heaven. So that's why no matter what I do to yesterday, if I return to the Lord today, everything of God is still there for me to enjoy and discover which is why we can learn life over, we're not trying to not make mistakes, we're just trying to come into faith, keep believing, who are kept by the power of God through faith for or into salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So faith, faith, we're, the power of God is keeping us. We're, and I'm, the thing we just launched and I hope, we, I hope you guys will become students of this. I believe that God is asking for watchmen who will watch his word and put him in remembrance and engage his promises until they're performed and worship him in his promises until they're performed and not be moved by what we see, but are holding a place of agreement with God. To agree with God means we will agree with everything that he's saying. So we are saying today, we're kept by the power of God. And that's through faith into salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. We're getting close to the last time. There's so much salvation yet to be revealed. Salvation, Wes was singing into that. And in uh, Revelation 7, it literally says, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation, that's the reason we can't lose salvation because it's not ours to keep. Salvation is God's. So to come into salvation, Jesus will appear a second time, apart from sin, into salvation. So there's something of salvation that's more to yet to be revealed, and it's ready to be revealed in this last time. So again, men of faith, kept by the power of God, we are accepting the truth of the scripture and we're worshiping it back to God by saying, Lord, this is true. Whether it's working in my life, whether it's, I feel like it's happening. I just want to agree with you and praise you and thank you for these truths. You do that. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, that's a really good confession. I like the sounds of my words being spoken back to me here. Feel assurance, feel some joy, experience my love experience the truth of this. Now, we, I often tried to get the word to, to manifest because I felt like, well, that was the purpose of the promise was so the promise would be fulfilled, except the Bible says the purpose of the promise is to be a partake of his nature. And God is a God of faith. Therefore, we, he wants us to be able to go, you know, the world is not what I see. The world is who he is speaking to me. And I can rest inside of that and look 
with confidence. And, and he, to test that is what we're about to find out what comes along with that. We're kept by the power of God through faith into salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice. Now, I don't know why there's such an anointing right now on the word of God. Probably because the lie is getting so strong in the earth. And the love of the, and the, and the, love of the lie is growing. And therefore, the, the love of the truth must increase in the living body. So in this, you greatly rejoice. Though for now, a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. So to the faith comes the testing. It's just part and parcel with the living in a, in a planet that is hostile and still in conflict with God's dominion. So there's now what, what I don't know what this feels like. I'm, so what, what does that mean? Well, that the genuineness or the trustworthiness, the, 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 the trustworthiness of your faith. Not, it's not like my faith is being tested so that God knows it's real faith and I'm not faking it. It's the faith he's giving to me in the scripture is trustworthy and will withstand whatever test is coming against you. If it's relational, it's still going to submit to the name of Jesus. If it's physical, it's going to have to submit to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the, the, the completion of everything. He's the healing of everything. So being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. So we know gold is found, it's in its a raw form, and it has to be refined, and it has to have the dross removed, and it has to become pure gold for it to have a, a, a value that's associated with its weight. Well, the same thing is true with us. In the midst of my faith that's being given to me in the word and scripture, I'm going to be tested so that the parts of me that are flesh and soul and stuff that's just really, you know, traditions not going to work can find they don't work. But then the faith gets even more powerful. Don't you feel like your faith's getting more powerful? Don't you feel like your faith's getting, like, strong? We're, st we're going we're, we're gonna to start seeing things that that we, we, we practice in faith, start manifesting in sight. Not for our sake. We don't need it. I always know when faith has finally taken root in me, I don't need to see it. I just know it. I experience it. I enjoy it. Then whatever. And if God wants it to be seen in my, in my, at that moment, then it gets seen. If not, I am on a pilgrimage anyway, and I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. So faith has this liberation that it brings. Though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So as Christ is appearing, as he's starting to make his entrance, as he's starting to become a scene, he's going to find in our faith, the faith he's given us that he, we've, we've continued in, he will receive praise, honor, and glory, and it will be this magnificence of, of, expectant, of, of rest and trust, whom having not seen you love. I mean, isn't that cool? We love somebody we've never seen. We, we, we love Jesus, don't you? I love Jesus. I mean, I love him. I, I, I love him, and I've not seen him. Though you now do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. The two fruits 
of immediacy of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is joy and peace. And they are never, can never, ever be separated from our faith in Jesus Christ. Joy does not come from circumstances. Peace does not come because of circumstances. Joy is, springs up. It's inexpressible, full of glory. So that's why when we come into worship, we have to command our soul, get back into joy. I have to rejoice before the Lord. <clears throat> I have to rejoice in the Lord. I have to joy in the Lord, and I have to allow his peace to rest over me and separate myself from all my conflicts and return to the peace and let my soul come in because that's the practice, the practicing in Christ that we're doing every day when we pray. Receiving the end of your faith. Now, again, faith is, comes in the word. It has to do with promise. It's not by the works of the law. Its fulfillment will be. But the ultimate purposes of the faith that comes through the promises that we practice is not the outcome of what we're trying to reap that's being promised. It's divine nature. And in this case, I love this, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Your soul, my soul, is being saved. My spirit was born again the day I accepted Jesus Christ, new creation in Christ. That new creation overrides everything of the old creation. My flesh will be resurrected, and I will, it will be saved, and I'll get the resurrected body. Right now, it's the soul that's being saved. What does it mean to be saved? It means it's, it's learning to return to truth. It's not going to be the one that's holding God hostage. Your soul can be grieved. It can be offended. It can be uh, put out. And once that soul begins to hold that posture, it shuts down our pursuit. Unless we take our soul and return it to the Lord and say, soul, you need to have a conversation. You're offended. Let's talk about it. Let's talk it through because I've got to get back to submission to truth. And I've got to live in the spirit. But I can't, but I have a soul that needs to be saved. So my soul is going to get saved in the, in the journey of faith. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's where we're at. If of this salvation, so you see, salvation is not, is a man. It's, it's Jesus Christ. He possesses, he owns. Father gave it to us in his son. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So as the prophet Isaiah, as the prophet Ezekiel, as the prophet Jeremiah began to speak of the Lord, of the new covenant, of the coming Messiah, they would begin to go, is this now? Is this now? There's suffering and then there's a massive amount of glory, which we, as men, get to walk with Jesus in a parallel fashion. With the truths that come, we will suffer. There will be conflict. There will be pressure. There will be testing. There will be trials. That's what we just read. And that is causing our faith to, to become just pure and undefiled. So they were going, whoa, this is another realm that we've never even imagined, the glories that are going to follow. 
To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you. So this is the generation. This is the Hebrews chapter 11, that the, all of the hall of faith couldn't be brought into completeness until we were brought into completeness. It was to us. They're ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. What is going to happen in this next season for us men is the Bible is going to even become more valuable than it is to us today, if it can even be so. That we'll be going, I just can't believe this. I mean, this is too good. This is the place in which I can rest. I can, I can hold my, I can put all my confidence here and not anywhere else. So as the world crumbles and shakes because of the voice of him who's speaking, we will have it, we won't have as much trouble letting go of what's shaking because we'll be receiving this unshakable kingdom. And the angels wish they could get in on this. Therefore, and here's the kind of uh, completion, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the completion of 12 verses of declaration of truth that we are to accept as truth, not prove it, and we don't have to even be experiencing it. We just accept it. Like Wes said, if today, if you can't sing the song, just say the words. You see, that's one of the ways I always know my soul is trying to boss me around, and it it won't participate in what's being said. I can't sing that song because I don't feel like it. Well, who gives a rip? You know, David said, Saul, bless the Lord. And don't you forget any of the benefits. And he had to say that because if you read all of his psalms, you realize this, he was constantly being chased and harassed and vexed and, and overwhelmed. And so he had to say, I'm either going to live in this realm that's coming to take my life where I'm going to live in the truth, that I'm not going to be afraid, even a thousand people outside of my house, you are my safety. So he was constantly shifting. So gird up the loins of your mind. The loins is the belt, the center. Ephesians 6 says that we're to gird our loins with truth. This is truth. Everything else that is not in here is a lie. Or at least, even if it's in a process of unfinishedness it's subject to change but this is unchangeable so I need to gird and that's the first part of the armor without the loins girded with truth the rest of your armor won't work because you'll you will capitulate because truth is what holds us but now the loins of your mind that is a beautiful picture I wrote this I copied and pasted this so let me bring it up mind is comes, it's the deep thought. It's the pondering. It's the, you know, pressing ourselves beyond just a casual observance. It's looking into the burning bush and why is it still burning? It's noticing the word, like what Ken was saying, that I notice something starts happening. 
Why, why when we come together, if we've been a praying, praying people through the week, do we hear God already in the message? Because God doesn't have a bunch of messages. <laughs> he just basically has one thing. Jesus Christ and his glory and his provision and his victory and his triumph and keep submitting and return to the Lord and give him, get, let his word have first priority. Let his spirit come alive. Jesus Christ, that's all he says. Because all he needs to say, because everything is Jesus. So he says, gird your loins of your mind, your deep thought. Put it in, in engage it. Uh, so now let's practice this. Proverbs 25, 28. If you'll go with this. Now I'm taking it someplace. I'm we're going to talk about the use of, of agreement, accepting truth with and allowing it to be a place that begins to build a fortification for our lives and over the ones we love. Everyone you love and everyone I love and everyone I've, I've been given responsibility for have been warred over. And yet God is, has a solution for salvation, that the time that he we're entering into is the time of salvation being revealed, Jesus Christ stepping in. So it's going to be a massive, like the returning. Please, we're not next month, just a quick commercial. Next month, we won't meet together on our second Saturday because on the third Saturday is Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, and we're going to do our fall conference and it's going to be multiple testimonies and teaching from a Friday night. We'll start on the 14th, Saturday morning. We'll have lunch together, and then Saturday into the afternoon, then we'll stop. And then Sunday morning, we'll close completion with another great lunch. And it's, 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 it is, if you can imagine, the returning, which is the calling back all who have wandered away, all who have lost their way, all who have wandered from the truth, all who have been offended, all the prodigals who said, I can't find fulfillment in the Father's house. I'm going to go back into the world to get what I want. All those elder brothers who have been laboring and are bitter and angry and don't think God is faithful. All those who are called by his name, whom he created for his glory, are, going to, are coming. That, in my estimation with Scripture, is the great harvest that's coming. A, a returning, a returning, a returning. And I'll say this because uh, truth is, 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 should be said when it's heard. We are endeavoring to build teams, in agree teams of watchers in agreement together on Wednesdays. Six o'clock to eight is one watch. Eight at morning to 10 is another watch. 10 to 12 is a following watch. 12 to two is another watch. Two to four is another watch. And four to six. And whoever can afford to give that a time, or ask the Lord if you are to give the time, whether you can afford it or not, we are going, practicing, we're endeavoring now to agree with God's word. Because if we will agree with God's word, with what he's saying, then we will begin to be an instrument that he can use to accomplish what he has chosen to do. And that's Isaiah chapter uh, 62, verses 1 through uh, 8. 
1 through 7, it's particularly 8, 1 through 8. I was watching, Wes, when you were worshiping, and there was a time you just were leading us in spontaneous, extemporaneous praise, and I'm just engaged with you. And I look, and they turned the screen off because there's nothing for us to be reading, which is perfect. I love that. And then I look back, and there was a 0808. And at first I'm going, I know 8 means new beginnings. And I saw double new beginnings happening. And then I realized, well, that's, it was the reflection of the clock that's back there. But I also, I, I don't take anything when God's getting my attention as coincidental. There is a double new, bless, double, double new beginning. If you'll take it and embrace it and pursue it. It's not coming to the lazy. It's coming to the diligent. And I, I hate to separate us that way, but we have to be, you have to work at this. You don't earn it, you learn it. And you don't learn anything well unless you practice, right? We have potential, but we have to practice to take a potential into a skill. And the skill of the word of righteousness is probably the most important skill we're going to have in the coming days ahead. But it's a new beginning. You can just go into a whole other realm. So saying that, I'm in a watch. I really want you to be in a watch. Please, men, please, if you can, be with us. I, wanna, I want teams of watchers. Why a team? Because then we're in the, mix, in the midst of us. Jesus is now moving, not just in the, midst, in the midst of me. When I go to pray and I have to do my prayer, I'm learning to hear God alone and by myself. And I'm learning to submit to God's word. I'm learning to worship. I'm learning. It's the most important thing I do. But the second most important thing of that practice is coming together with the living body. A number of members that are saying, we're here to hear you and to agree with what you're saying so that what you're saying can be a manifestation in the earth. We're here to agree. We're not here to tell you what the news says, and we don't want to tell you what anybody else says. We just want to hear what you're saying, and we want to begin to see it and declare it and declare it to be true. And so then a, a reverent body that's living to hear truth in the Scripture may indeed be one of the most important things about to happen because there's people that are there there's people that are going to begin to declare things that have nothing to do with what people are telling you to declare it's only what you're reading and hearing and agreeing together so if you can choose a watch you, there's a you can sign up back there just so we know because we're going to start a, a weekly connection so we're talking we're sharing the things that we're hearing we're um and and it's, uh, it's the way in which we can advance rapidly. That's what the Lord showed me. I'll I show you this. Uh, I, Proverbs 25, 28, so you, we don't waste that word. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. That's a really good imagery when we do not have mastery of our own spirit. In other words, we can't get ourselves up to pray. We, we can't take the scripture and put it in our mouth. We can't choose to believe the word and declare it in face of opposition. We can't command joy when we're living in sorrow. We won't allow peace to, to surround us when we're in anxiety. So we have no 
control. We have no mastery. We have no rule over our spirit. We're like a city broken down without walls. And Jerusalem rebuilt temple worship was intact. But because the the walls of Jerusalem, the book of Nehemiah, were, were broken down, the gates were burnt with fire, there was no prosperity. There was no safety. There was no honor. There was no blessing in, in the city. So Nehemiah, who's a very much a picture of Holy Spirit because his name even means comforter, came and he began to command the, the Israelites to build the wall. They were just living with the broken down walls. With broken down walls meant the enemy could come and go because a wall is your, is your it's in, in our life, in our personal life, our walls are our mind. Our mind that defines us, our thoughts. Uh, my mind, see, you think, oh, what a beautiful blessing our mind is. Do you know the number one thing our mind does, and if it doesn't do it, we lose all the benefits that are available? It filters. It decides what we're listening to and what we're not. Not just conscious decisions, but subconscious. You learn to not hear the, the traffic while you're having a conversation. You learn to ignore the airplane going overhead. You, it's, it's a filter, and it's because it's a wall. The will is like the doors, the gates, and the emotions is like the whole substance of the indwellings of the city. And it's a beautiful picture, again, of our soul. So the soul, even though it is being saved, is being required to agree with salvation, even when salvation doesn't begin to begin to appear. So Nehemiah comes and says, get your butt up and let's build this wall back. And so what they do, and we did this fabulous teaching like, like six years ago, like all the best teachings I ever do are teachings I do and then die. But it's, it's online. It's on the... A builder series on Nehemiah, but they begin to build. And every person, this is in chapter 3 and 4 of Nehemiah, so you can study it later. It, but I, now I'm just, you see, I, I get caught up in all this so much. <sighs> Turn from, yes, I will finish that, Father. Let me show you something that I never saw before. I, every time I read the Bible, I see something I never saw before. Nehemiah chapter 3. The walls. We're talking about watchmen. We're going to look at that in a second. Nehemiah chapter 3. Where is chapter 3 verse 1? You can just pull it up for me. Nehemiah 3 verse 1. I never saw this before. But this means everything to me. Because now I know who Jesus is. And I know how important it is for him to take the lead. I can't go do something that he's not doing. I cannot go somewhere he's not leading. But if he starts leading, i got to go follow. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. He is the beginning of the procession of what it will be a full chapter devoted to telling us who's building where, and who's next to them building where? And who's next to them building where? So he rose up, and they began to build the sheep gate. They, and, and they consecrated it, hung its doors, 
and they built as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it, then as far as the Tower of Hanel. So this high priest, which we all have a high priest now, who's the high priest, apostle of our confession, the one who's, who's saying, uh, you can go as far as I go, and no one can stop you from going where I'm going. Just engage. So then next to him, next to Eliasim, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri built. And also the sons of uh, Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams, hung its doors, and its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the sons of Urijah, the sons of Kaz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Bakariah, the son of Meshabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Baneah, made repairs. When I did the series, I read the entire chapter. That's all that chapter is for like 20, 30 verses. Because the importance was showing that you cannot build a city wall without every member in the city start building. And everybody started building right from where they lived. You see, the, we want things to happen that we're asking someone else to do. When we're the one to start doing it where we live. Start living from where we are and start holding that place and building the truth. Chapter 4, verse 1, after they've, they've been doing they get the walls halfway up. See, how I build my wall is with truth. I start to say to my mind, listen, I love you. I respect you. You're creative. You're beautiful. You're, you're a glorious opportunity for God to change. But I will not let the word of God go second to you. God's word is truth. So you have to practice this. This is what we believe. This is what we believe. I'll get the news so I know what's going on, but I'm not listening to the news to find out what's going on. I'm going here. And so I'm building it up. I'm building the truth. The truth says. I don't try to force it on people. I don't try to perform it. I don't try to make it happen. I just say, Lord, I receive your truth. I worship you with your truth. I honor you with your truth. I rejoice in your truth. And what happens is the truth begins to make me free. It starts to liberate old thoughts and old patterns and old habits. It starts to break those things apart because they can't keep controlling because I'm accepting truth, and truth makes you free. And if it doesn't make you free, it causes an offense. And if it causes an offense, pursue Jesus in it, and then he'll make you free because ultimately he is the one who brings freedom. John 8. So they got the wall halfway up, and it happened when Sembalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He was furious and indignant. So what does he do? We'll see it tomorrow morning. Be here tomorrow. He mocked the Jews. We've got to learn our adversary. If you don't know our adversary, then you won't recognize that he's the one speaking most of the time to you know, enforce his forces will over us. And he spoke about before his brethren, the army of Samaria. Every, we think war is the actual battle. War are words. War are the imagery that's being you know, presented and communicated. And he, and he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? It's a good, that, that test that when you get up to go spend your time to pray is like, well, what, what's the difference? What's going to make a difference anyway? You know, it's not, what are you doing? Will they fortify themselves? Are you, do you really think this is going to make a difference? Will, will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? 
It's never going to happen. Will they revive the stones from heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Just mocking, accusing, and lots of questions. I always know the devil's talking to me because he makes questions appear all over everything. And I always know when God's talking to me, he has no questions, just declarations. Just confidence beyond anything I've ever imagined. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside them and said, whatever they build, it, even if a fox goes on it, the break, the wall, it'll break down their stone wall. So, beloved, that's the testing we're talking about in, in, in 1 Peter. Your faith is tested by, by, by questioning its validity, its ability, its, 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 its genuineness. It just tries to break it down. And then, so he says, Hear, O God, for we are despised. And we're going to learn to do this. We're, we are being mocked by the world. We're being told that we have no consequence and nothing we can do will make them matter. But we want you to turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Turn what Satan is determining to bring upon the earth and let it land back on his head and let the gospel go forth as never before. It's, those are the parts of posturing. Do not cover their iniquity. Don't let their sin be blotted out before you, you provoke you to anger before the builders. We are in an important building. So we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Deep thought, intentionality. Now it happened when Sembalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashadites heard the wall of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being beginning to be closed that they became very angry. Why? Once that wall goes up, you are no longer penetrable. Once you have begun to define yourself in Scripture and truth has begun to become the center, the, we, we become less accessible. And he understood that. So they became very angry. And they conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. So that's the second thing that starts happening. First, just let's cast some doubt. Let's just come question your genuineness of your faith. Where did you hear that? How do you think that's going to be? Now let's, let's, let's start to bring about confusion and let's start to bring attack. Maybe your washer breaks down, your car doesn't work. You, you know, circumstances that we, that we carry in our soul all of a sudden we are triggered and, and we're now in a panic. So nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. See, a watcher watches to keep the adversary from be, in becoming, taking the position that is not his to have. He's not going to break in and steal anymore because we're in agreement with God's intention of what he's doing, but we're also aware that he has means. Like Second Peter, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. First thing he does um, the most powerful way he engages and destroys Christians is unforgiveness. If he can get us into an offense without forgiveness flowing to the offender, he knows that he has taken us out of being forgiven into living under torment until we forgive again. So he goes, that, that's an easy win. I just get you offended and you get under unforgiveness and you go into my tormentors. So, we, we, so they're watching these things. And so then he said, we, uh, then Judas said, uh, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, oh, they will neither know, know nor see anything till we come 
into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. You ever been there? Come on, you have. You've got your, you've got, you've got your own assessment. You know, this isn't working. I'm not really making any progress. This is getting harder, not easier. True prayer life is going to show up many challenges that are going to say, well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not even, I, I, I'm, I'm losing my capacity to hold my place. And then I'll hear the reports that we're going to slaughter you. You're going to die from that sickness. You're never going to get out of that relationship back into peace and joy and harmony. Your kids will never return to the Lord. They're going farther and farther and farther. Whatever it is, you're never going to get out of your poverty. You're going to always owe people money. It's just a lie. And, and so we're going to stop your work. We're overwhelmed with the work. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came, they told us 10 times. That's like the, the report of the, 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 the spies. The giants are coming. The giants are coming. The giants are here. And they said, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. So these are, these are Jews. These are believers. These are believers telling us that we're going to die. And so this is this, this conflict. Until the wall was broke, built, they were going to forever be in this intimidation and conflict. Therefore, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the op- openings. And I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Remember, everybody's been building at their place. The wall goes all the way around Jerusalem. They're all building around their place, but they, they keep going to the one place they're building. The greatest thing I can do for the body of Jesus Christ is live a victorious life in my heart and be filled with joy and peace and righteousness. Greatest thing I can do for the United States of America is to live in Christ and to love God and to receive his word and declare his decrees and just allow the unlimitedness of God to be expressed in my heart, with my mouth, and experience it because that's the means for the wall to build up, the whole living body. So he's now got people and their families and they're engaging. Okay, all right, so what? Jesus Christ is Lord. We're, we're not going to lose this battle. We're going to build this wall. If we've got to be in a war for a little bit, here we go. And I looked and I rose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, your sons and daughters, your wives and your houses. This God that we serve in Jesus Christ is so capable of dismantling any strategy that hell is bringing and will not allow it to prevail if but faith rises. That's why faith is fought. And faith, she's, don't, we're going we're gonna to win this. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall and everyone to his work. Most of the time, it's a battle of intimidation we're living under. You know, overwhelming us and causing us to stop because of the intimidation. Once we decide, I'm going to press through and die, whatever, let's go forward. The, wall, the war, the, that, that battle dissipates because no longer is it the thing that's withstanding me because I'm not going to stand, I'm going to press through. So it was from that time on, and I think this is what, you, you know, I know you guys. We've been, we're learning to live this way. 
It's, it's not the way I want to live, but it's the way you got to live. Until you come into the glory of heaven, we're living in a world that is, in, is an antichrist system and belief and hatred to God and the rebellion of man is getting strong and its influence is trying to suffocate my dominating, victorious, triumphant Christ. So, so we had our servants work construction. Well, half of them held their spears and shields and bows and wore armor and the leaders were behind all the houses of Judah. So, so there's like, okay, that's what our Wednesday morning, Wednesday day is. We are not going to get to our, our, our full potential in Christ without diligent prayer and, and agreement and beginning to say, we have a corporate image that God is giving us, a victorious, triumphant people. And so those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand the, they worked at construction and the other hand they held a weapon. So you begin to see how building is... is is building, but it's also defending the truth from being taken from us, so the, the weapon. Every one of the builders who had a sword girded it at his side as he built, and, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. So there's this posture that's it's just great imagery. It's all of Ephesians, First uh, Peter chapter 1 through 13. It's verse 13. It's all there right now. And he said that, so the Holy Spirit, trumpet sound, he's ready. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work's great. It's extensive. This is a word of the Lord for everyone in here. Your vision's too small. What you're believing God to do is too little. There is something much greater. Go back to the beginning of God speaking in your beginning journey and begin to declare from the inception to its end, God will fulfill. The things you've had to let go of, let them go. But let God give new hope for it to be fulfilled in his perfect way and in his perfect timing. The vision that you've reached out to, the calling that God gave you, the intention of which he found you. Every time he met you, he calls you. He never just meets you to, to help you. He meets you to call you to who you are. It's don't let life tell you this is all you are. But don't go force it circumstantially because that's what made your Ishmael's. Go back into the presence and let God begin to speak. And the first thing he'll say is, I'm changing your name. And we're going to cut off a little bit of that flesh. So I said, we're not going to have ability with my glory. We're going to have, I'm going to have my glory in your weakness. Does that make sense? I'm telling you, man, this is the word of the Lord. You're here. You got this word. Do not live in the limitation of the life you're in. Live in the unlimited truth of the scripture in the presence of God whom you believe. And when it begins to activate, recognize there's three things that are going to happen. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. It's Sunday. A, your hope has to release from its old rigid conception of what it meant and get very flexible and say, okay, I believe it. I believe it. I'm not sure what that all means, but I'm, I'm engaged. I'm in. Second, you got to take a quick glance at your circumstances, but not any more than that. Just like look at the mirror. And I don't look, I look less, the older I get, the less I look in the mirror. 
We just had our new granddaughter. I tell you, one thing that will make you look old is a selfie with your grandkids. Man, do you look the contrast. Take a glance, but don't look at it too strong. And the third thing is you've got to then begin to say, I'm not taking the word of God and dissecting it. Just figure out how in the world that. You just got to look at it. Don't separate the word. Receive the word. This is the truth. It's come alive again. I don't even know why, and I have no reason to believe, but God has said, and so here we go. I'm engaged. I'm engaged. Glorify God then. Just glorify him. Glorify him. And you'll know that you're about ready to have the fulfillment of promise because you're in death, and it's no longer what you're trying to resolve. You just know, you know what? It doesn't come from me. It comes from the one who spoke. Because whoever speaks has to perform. He's the promise maker. He's the promise performer. He has all the ability. The glory of God's just here. Thank you. He's just going to do it. He's going to do it. This is our charge right now, man. The next, why we're going to come together as a company who watch together and agree together and speak the word of God over the, the world that we're living in, over the family we're, we're given charge over, over, the grandkids we love and care over. And we're just going to begin to speak from the Lord and not from the circumstances. We're not going to listen to people that are telling us this has to happen for God to do it. We're going to begin to say God can do anything because his son has made it all possible. He has no limitations. Anyone who will believe is unlimited to what God can do. The Caleb's are coming back alive. The Joshua's are coming back out to, to lead, the, lead the charge, not the, oh, no, the, this is impossible. Wherever we are, it's too small. What God has said from the beginning, he's saying again, and it's taking on a fresh vibrancy, and it has to, we have to believe that. Then we have to just take a quick glance. Well, we're older than we were when we heard it, but so what? And we have to recognize God's word is truth, and it's now prevailing and taking over, and God's ability to perform it is going to be seen, and I'm going to just glorify God. So he said, when you hear, hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. God will fight for us. And we labored and worked. Half of the men held spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. And at the same time, and I'll close to this, at the same time, I also said to the people, and this is what I want to say to us as men and to all of Jubilee and to what God is doing, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, that we may be our guard by night and a working party by day. And, and so neither, it's like, a, it's like saying, you know what? As the days shorten, we will, we will compact ourselves into agreement because we will, we will see it's, we get picked off if we go off on the outskirts. If you live in the outskirts, you lose your place because it's easy for you to be discouraged, easy for you to be uh, deceived, it's easy for me to be tricked, it's easy to begin to be depressed. But if I'm in, in group and I'm beginning to live in that community of faith that's growing, the agreement that's growing, I am, I am like in a totally different dynamic. So they brought the people in. And neither read. Chapter 5, they go into a massive season of forgiveness and releasing of debt. It's just beautiful. So Isaiah 62. Are you guys okay? Are you going along with me? You know, the ladies will watch us because they say, what we say on these days is better than anything I say anywhere else. 
and I believe it is because God makes a point to speak to men. You are the, you are the maker, you're the decision maker at your home. You decide if you've tithed or don't. Your wife doesn't get to have that say. You don't want to tell her. She has a heart to do it, but you're the one saying, no, we can't afford it. That's your faithlessness. And I'm not saying that to you. You're all tithers in Jesus' name. <laughs> I am so... get myself in trouble all the time. It's truth, though. You are the man. God made it that way. You know, it's, we're not in a... You know, we're not a gender blender people. You are the leader. And you are leading either in stubbornness or in, in, in submission to God. And when you're not in submission to God, it's, it behooves us to go to God and say, God, I've got an issue of, of this, this issue. And I don't know what to do with this issue because it's controlling me. I'm afraid. I don't think I can afford it. I can't do. And then God begins to have to deal with me. And when he deals with me, then I can follow him. So that's our charge. So that's why I think it comes so strong here and so powerful. So uh, Isaiah chapter 62, verse 1. Listen to five verses. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. God speaking. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation is a lamp that burns. We haven't seen that fully yet, but we are going to see it not in the physical even as much as we're going to first see it in the spiritual because that glorious new Jerusalem's coming from heaven. The Gentiles, they'll see your righteousness. The kings, all your glory. You shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. Every time God speaks, he starts changing your name. He's always calling you because a name means not just who you, as a, as a, as a, uh, a noun for a person, it is, has to do with the purpose of the persons. And he said, I'm, I'm changing your name and the kings, and you will be also a crown of glory and a hand of the, hand of the Lord, a royal diadem. Now, I believe chapter, one, chapter 62, 1 through 5 is a declaration, a decree we can declare over our households, our family, over our influence, over our sphere. We can just begin to declare this. And it's because it's we are in Christ, we are in Jerusalem, we are in the body, we are in Israel, we are uh, we, uh, the Jew, heavenly Jerusalem is the mother of us all, it's of faith. So we just start saying, I'm pulling all that in and I'm receiving it here for me and I'm extending it to those I love and I'm declaring I'm in agreement with God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken. There is not a believer in this room or online that has not been forsaken appearance-wise in the midst of discovering the unforsaking God. You know what I mean? Haven't you ever felt like you're left alone? I mean, I used to tell God, you missed a great opportunity to glorify yourself right then. You could have come in and done an awesome thing and said, I died. Why in the world did you do that? That was my arrogance. Like God needed me as a backdrop for him to do something glorious. He needed me to submit. He needed me to say the truth of the word of God is the truth of the word of God. And I will worship you in the truth of the word of God. Whether I like it or not, whether it's happening or not, I will live in the truth of the word of God. And the only way that purification of faith has to have a lot of testings. And those testings have to say, that's not true. That's not true. It's not going to happen. Why don't you give up? Stop it. It's never going to. 
Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. To the Word. I'm, and so, new name, no more forsaken, no more called desolate. Don't you see this, beloved? We are going to be, you are, we are going to be seen in victorious Christ in the earth in places that right now we're looked upon as desolate and forsaken. So he calls you Hephzibah, and your name will be Beulah, for the Lord delights in you, and you will be married. Hephzibah married, Beulah delight, or vice versa. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall God rejoice over you. So that, that, that's like, there's a return. Your sons are going to marry us. Meaning that our the generation underneath, they're going to return to the faith of their fathers. They're married. They're going to come in. So this is God. So God is, this is it. I'm in. I'm fully in. I'm totally committed to the full restoration and the beautification and the glorification of my city, my bride. So what does he do next? He says, I have set watchmen on your walls. I've set them. That's you, me, all of us. Oh, Jerusalem. And they'll never hold their peace day or night. They're going to agree with me. And they're going to call me to fulfill what I said. And they're going to stay engaged with me. And they're never going to hold their peace. They're never going to be quiet. And you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. I believe that we are in such a beautiful moment. If you were willing and you open your mouth and put yourself in the place on the wall that you're called to be and begin to agree with God and what his words are saying, you are going to find such a force that has never yet been seen in your life or in my life. I am. Because he's, 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 he's so now ready, timing-wise. And give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And that Jerusalem is the ultimate compilation of the living body of Jesus Christ. None of us are going to be complete until all of us are complete. And we're not in a competition. You can get to the end of your life sooner than you should. It doesn't get you faster into the place God wants you because we have to bring everyone with us. Everyone. Everyone. So there in five verses of grace given, two verses of Watchman prayer, and then comes verse 8, which says, again, I never saw this before. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and the arm of his strength. Whenever you see in Isaiah, the Lord has sworn, or he, he, by his right hand, he sent, brings salvation, arm of strength, is speaking of Jesus. It's speaking of Messiah, the anointed one, what he would do and could do, the intercessor. He says, I will no longer give your grain as food for your enemies. And the sons of foreigners will not drink your new wine for which you have labored. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that. Right? I don't want to labor for someone else to take the stuff I labored for. I've seen it enough. I've seen it many, many times. But that's the training for reigning. If you do it all and you lose it all, will you start again and, and give it all? Because that's the training for reigning. Because life does not come from the world we see. It comes from the unseen. And it comes from the loving. So, whoa. Now here, two minutes to pray, say this and pray this. Isaiah 30, verse 15 through, and I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to tell you, and I'll, we'll get to this, but it's a point of connection. Isaiah 30, verse 15 through 26 
Hosea 14, verse 1 through 9, and 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23. Again, Isaiah 30, verse 15 through 26, particularly verse 22. Hosea 14, verse 1 through 9, particularly verse 8. And 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23. When a people become submitted ones under the word of God and begin to say, I'm going to take my place on the wall and then begin to agree with God. And to begin to agree with God, there is much we can see that we do not understand. I will say this simply, and then I'm going to pray for you. I've been asking the Lord for a few months now, what about rain this year? He's taught me a lot about praying for rain, and I've had uh, enjoyed watching him answer prayer. But I haven't had a voice to know what to pray. I can't pray what I want. I have to pray what he says to pray. So I'm listening. And the Lord brought that verse uh, in Isaiah uh, 35, verse 22. You could pull that up in a... When a people return to the Lord, which is Hosea, and we begin to submit to the word of God and we begin to give, live in his love and his forgiveness and love and forgive all, and we just begin to let go of our own agendas and receive his agenda as one agenda for all, there begins to happen. Something begins to be broken apart, and it's called idolatry. The willfulness of man, the stubbornness of man, the my opinion matters, and I do what I want when, when God, he has to accept me because that's just who I am. He accepts me for who I am, and I can't contribute any more than who I am, but he wants me to submit to who he is and accept what he's given me. So I'm not changing me as much as I am bowing the knee and saying, Lord, you are. So it says... Um, uh, you'll have to find it yourself. You didn't, you didn't find it? Isaiah chapter 30, verse 22. Isaiah 30, or did I say 30? I know it's 30. It's 30, verse 22. What's going to happen? You see, I hold lies in my hands. I don't know it. I wouldn't if I knew it. I pick up snakes. I don't know they're snakes and venomous. But I wouldn't if I knew it. But I'm blinded. I don't, know what I, I don't know what I don't know. And I can't see a lie until God shows me I'm in a lie. So I need help. So what happens is when we begin to submit ourselves into God, all of Isaiah 30, verse 15, up to 21, God begins a work of, work of liberation. Truth is making me free. Truth is making me free. I don't know I'm being made free, but I'm being made free. I'm miserable first, but I'm being made free. And then all of a sudden, there comes these moments. You will defile the covering of images of silver, the ornament of molded images of gold. You will throw them away as an unclean thing and say, get away from me. You ever had that moment where you realize, I've been living in a lie. I'm partnering with hell. I'm, I'm submitting to something I shouldn't be even involved in. And, and you see it, and you have the freedom to throw it. And you disengage. And, and, and once you disengage, God says, all right, let's do this. Then he will give them rain for your seed. So I don't know what that all means for every one of us, but I knew what it means for me is I am going to agree with God that California is going to just be dismantled from its idolatry through truth. The idolatry of this state, idealism is idolatry of Americanism. And the wokeisms and the genocidal, the, all of the stupidities of man. 
But it isn't going to be by fighting it. It's going to be by submitting to truth and listening. That watchman, that's who we are. That's who you are. Will you stand up with me? We have to go. Oh, I want to pray three things. I want to pray, A, that your, our visions are restored into, into the truth of God's word and the unlimitedness of his calling in Christ in us. The inheritance that's been reserved. I want that. I want it to come alive in every one of us here, online later. I want that. I want to pray for every one of us to have eyes to see that where I am in life is the place I'm supposed to build from. I don't need to go somewhere else to build. I just need to build where I am and begin to see the wall rise and to begin to establish it based on truth and not the circumstance and just live there. And then third, I'm going to pray that there, there is coming a uh, uh, success. Eyes that begin to see, whoa, I don't need to carry that. That's a weight I can get rid of. That's a sin I don't need to participate anymore. It's not, gonna, it's not a benefit to my, my, my future. And just liberation, liberation, liberation. So Heavenly Father, we come together as men, men who have been set apart to be the leaders of our households, men who have been set to be uh, those who are leading out in the spirit and those who are calling forth the future of your kingdom expressed in your living church in the earth. So I ask you now, by the spirit of the living God and the truth of the living word, that you would restore our joy of your salvation. You would open our deep thought, the eyes of our deep thought, understanding to what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us, your saints, what is the surpassing greatness of your power toward us who believe. I want you to give us again the vision that you have for us in heaven, inheritance, it's undefiled, incorruptible, and must not fade away. Lord God, we apologize that we have stopped growing because life neither required it or we felt it wouldn't work, matter. We are not living a wallless people anymore. Praise you, Jesus. I'm calling you up into your place. Lord, show us where to build now. To speak truth over. We are, yeah, everything's burnt. Everything's rubbish. Everything's dismantled. It doesn't matter. We begin to build again. And you begin to cause uh, increase. 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 So show us how to speak truth into the circumstances we're, we're over. Yes, we had plans. They didn't happen that way. So did Abraham. But there came a day we said, I don't regard the past as your future, I regard my word, and you have to accept it. And I, I, I re- your future is in laughter. And Isaac, Lord, oh, we're going to have a powerful week of prayer. It's going to activate. Whoa. Lord, I mean, elevate it. Elevate us. Elevate us. Elevate us. <clears throat> we're dead. <clears throat> Dead wombs and dead bodies, but it doesn't matter. God never needed a, a live body. In fact, the best promises are put in barren wombs. Shaba haba. Now, Lord, lastly, I'm asking you, lastly, breakthrough. 
success, advancement, miracles, resource, dismantling of, of, of systems, open our eyes, lies begin to be released. We don't want to live holding lies as truth. Traditions discarded when they become nullifiers of the word. Shabbat for each of us and all of us and let it spread into our families, our households, our children, grandchildren to the living body of Jesus Christ. But begin with me. Begin with me. Praise you, Jesus. You just praise him. Just receive praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You are more than enough. You're more than enough for all salvation, all of humanity, all of this glorious place. Jesus, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Lord, I thank you for every man in this room, every man that's listening online, everyone who will listen later, that they are all called of God. I thank you for our brother Larry, just began his journey with Jesus three weeks ago, but he's already walked into water baptism, and now he's here with the men, and I thank you that the, S, the activation of his life into his entire calling of God is accelerated. Lord, I thank you for Dan Peters, who served the Lord all his life. And now 80 years of service plus, he's now being activated to the fulfillment of what God spoke to him when he began his journey after him. I thank you for every one of us in between that there is now a reactivation of every one of our lives that is unlimited by age, unlimited by our resource, um, or unlimited through our failures. It's only by what you have given us in Christ. It's all that matters. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless you, man.